Welcome to Rome Christian Center. We are so glad that you are with us here today. If you are local to the Rome, New York area, we would like to invite you to join us 10 a.m. and again at 6 p.m. on Sundays. We are located at 7985 Turin Road in Rome, New York. Let's join the service as we believe God has something in store for you today. It's a little sparse this morning, but it'd be real sparse without you, so it'd be more sparser without you. Praise the Lord. Good to see everyone. Hallelujah. Father, we just bless you today. I thank you for those who are here, Lord. I pray a blessing upon every household, upon every family, upon every individual. Bless them, Lord, for coming, for taking time to spend with you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. In 1981, there was a movie released called Chariots of Fire. I don't know if anybody remembers it. It's based on a true story of two British athletes who participated in the 1924 uh, Olympics in Paris. Eric Liddell was a devout Scottish Christian who ran for the glory of God, and Harold Abrahams was an English Jew who ran to overcome prejudice. Liddell's specialty was the 100 meters. But while boarding the, bo while boarding the boat to France for the Olympics, Liddell discovered that his heats for the 100 meters race would be on Sunday. And he wouldn't run on Sunday. When despite intense pressure from the crown, the Prince of Wales was trying to, was try, you know, the, the crown and the British Olympic Committee were, were putting a lot of pressure on him to, to just put aside his, his, uh, his beliefs just, for, just temporarily and run. He refused to run the race because his Christian convictions prevented him from running on what he called the Lord's Day. Instead, he was given the opportunity to run in the 400 meters. But it was believed that Liddell had little chance of doing well in this far longer race which he had not trained for. But one of the American runners named Jackson Schultz handed Liddell a note of support just before the race, quoting a verse from, from 1 Samuel chapter 2 and verse 30. And it says, he that honors me, I will honor. It's a true story. He gave me that note. He who honors me, I will honor. Liddell ran and won the gold medal in the Olympics. And just as a side note, I want to talk to you today about honor, about the importance of honor. But just to finish the story, uh, after the Olympics, Liddell, who was born to missionary, he was born to missionary parents in China, and after and after the Olympics, he returned to China to do missionary work and died in a Japanese internment camp. Uh, you know, the Japan had invaded China, and in 1945, he died in a Japanese internment camp. The Bible says in Romans chapter 13 and verse 7, Render to all what is due them, tax to whom tax, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. We're supposed to, we're supposed to give honor to those to whom it is rightly due. 
To honor means to value, to esteem, to regard highly, and to give and to give great respect. So when we honor someone, we acknowledge them, we respect them, we we speak well of them, we recognize them publicly, we uh, we we rec we honor people by awarding them. You know, employee of the month, teacher of the year. You might you might hold a banquet in somebody's name. You know, you to honor them. And sometimes people are, are honored and and uh, not just because of some great achievement, but just because of their faithfulness. You know, someone's been working for the company for faithfully for 40 years. You know, hardly ever missed a day. You know, for, but you honor them with, with something to acknowledge their service, to acknowledge their dedication. So who do we honor and how do we do it? I want to look at that today because to me, there's, there's several people that need to be, several things that we need, to, several people we need to honor. But first and foremost, God is to be honored and, he, and just, just for who he is. Not so much for what he does, and we bless him for what he does. We thank him, but just for who he is, we need to honor him. And there's a lot of scriptures that declare that all honor and glory and majesty belong to him and are due to him. Listen, in 1 Timothy chapter 1, it says, Now to the king, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. And I just want to read a couple of scriptures in the book of Revelation. In Revelation chapter 4, in verse 8, it says, And the four living creatures, Revelation 4, And the four living creatures, each one of them having six wings, are full of eyes around and within. And day and night they do not cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. And when the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, to him who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders will fall down before him who sits on the throne and will worship him who lives forever and ever and will cast their crowns before the throne saying, Worthy are you, our Lord and our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and because of your will they existed and were created. And again in chapter 5, it says, in verse 11, And they looked, and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, and the living creatures, and the elders, and the number of them were myriads of myriads, and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And every created thing which is in the heaven and in the earth and under the earth and on the sea and all things in them I heard saying, to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and dominion forever and ever. God is worthy of all honor. We're supposed to honor him. And how do we do that? How do I honor God? Well, primarily, I think, by obeying him, but by, by allowing him to really be Lord of my life, to submit everything to him, to say, God, speak to me, uh, mold me, shape me into your image. I submit my life totally. I hold nothing back. I give you full reign over my life. You know, in Romans chapter 1, uh, one of the 
main criticisms uh, of those who slipped off into, into homose homosexuality. The Apostle Paul wrote a, a scathing denunciation of them in Romans chapter 1. And, but it says this, it says, even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God and give thanks. In their lifestyle, they dishonored God because God c condemns that lifestyle. And when we don't submit to what God wants, we dishonor him. In Matthew chapter, in Malachi, in Malachi chapter 1, the prophet is chastising the priests because they're, they're giving defiled offerings to God. And it says, a son honors his father and a servant his master. Then if I, this is God speaking through the prophet to them. If I am a father, where is my honor, God says. And if I am a master, where is my respect, says the Lord of hosts. To you, O priests, who despise my name. But you say, how are we, what do you mean? How do we despise it? But you are presenting defiled food on my altar. But you say, how have we defiled you? In that you say, the table of the Lord is to be despised. But when you present the blind for a sacrifice, is it not evil? And when you present the lame and sick, is it not evil? Why not offer it to your governor? Would he be pleased with you? Or would he receive you kindly? No. But when you, re when you receive, when you give me the blind, the lame, the crippled, the diseased, well, you're not honoring me. You're not giving me the best. You're giving me the worst. And we honor people by giving them the best. We're supposed to give God our best. We dishonor him when we don't. In Matthew chapter 15 and verse 8, Jesus said, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Honor is a heart issue. It's not so much what we do. We could be doing the right things and still not have the right heart. But honor is a heart issue, something we want to do to God because we love him, because of what he's done for us, because he gave himself for us. God, I love you, and I want, to, I want to honor you, and I will honor you with my life and my actions. I bless you for all you are and for what you've done. My focus should always be, what can I say? What can I do? How can I live that will bring honor to God? So we honor him by obeying him, but there's other ways we honor God. In Proverbs in Proverbs chapter 3. In Proverbs chapter 3 in verse 9. It says, Honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first of all of your produce. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. We honor God when we give him what belongs to him. When we, when we do not give God what belongs to him, in that, in that, in that sense we dishonor him. God is worthy of all of what, we, what, we, what, we, what we're supposed to give him. In Genesis chapter 14, Abram had gone out to fight some kings. And when the battle was over, he was returning from the, from the, from the victory. And a man named Melchizedek came out to meet him. And the Bible says Melchizedek brought him bread and wine. Melchizedek is a type of, of, of the Lord, Jesus. And the bread and the wine are a type of the body and the blood. It's a, people argue, there's a, not, not an argument, there is some debate whether Melchizedek was a real person or he was what the Bible calls what we call a theophany. In other words, was, was, his, was his God coming to him as a man? 
like when, you remember when, when, uh, when the Lord was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, he appeared to Abram, as a, as three men all of a sudden appeared to Abram. It's a theophany. It's God coming in the form of a, of a human to relate to a human. So we're not sure whether Melchizedek was a theophany or a real person. But either way, he came, and he brought bread and wine, and he gave them to Abram. And what did Abram give him? Abram said, Abram gave him the tithe. He gave him what belongs to God, giving to God what belongs to God. And we honor, next we honor God by accepting his correction and his discipline. In Hebrews chapter 12, there's a whole section on God's discipline. And it says, And you have not forgotten the exhortation which is addressed to you as sons. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor faint when you are reproved by him. For whom the Lord loves, he disciplines or chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you endure. God deals with you as sons. For what son is there whom the father does not discipline? But if you are without discipline, of which we have all become partakers, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. And furthermore, it says we had earthly fathers to discipline us, and we respected them. How much shall we, shall we not much rather be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For he disciplined us for a short time, as seemed best to them. But they, our earthly fathers, discipline us for a short time, as seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good, so that we may share his holiness. All discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful but sorrowful. Yet to those who have been trained by it, afterwards it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness. So accepting God's discipline is the correction that he brings into our life. And we all need that. I need it. You need it. We all do. We all need God's correction. And when we honor him and we accept that. And finally, one more. I just want to, to me, this is important. Uh, I, I keep saying one of these days, I'm going to do a study on the Sabbath. The Bible has so much to say about the Sabbath over and over and over again. But listen, and I'm not talking about, when I say the Sabbath, I'm not, I don't believe we should literally keep the Jewish Sabbath. But, there's, but the, the Sabbath principle, that there's a day that we should set aside for the Lord. You know, Eric Liddell would not run on Sunday because he considered it the Lord's Day. And it's not that we can't do anything on the Lord's Day. Jesus said we can do good on, on the Sabbath. It's okay to do good, but we shouldn't be doing a lot, some things that, we, that are not necessary. But look, look at what it says in Isaiah chapter 58 and verse 13. If because of the Sabbath you turn your foot from doing your own pleasure on my holy day and call the Sabbath a delight, a holy day of the Lord honorable, and honor it, desisting from your own ways, from seeking your own pleasure, and seeking your own word. When we, when, we, when we come to church on Sunday, but we make time for God, we're, on, we're honoring him. We're, we're giving him our, our attention. We're giving him our time. We're saying, God, I want to get together with the people and worship you and, and praise you. When we, when we do that, we, we honor God. It says, if you do that, then you will take delight in the Lord, and he will make you ride on the heights of the earth, and I'll feed you with the heritage of Jacob, your father. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. I really believe that it's, it's God honoring 
and I'm, I'm not criticizing people who aren't here. I'm really not. But I'm just, today, I just got to tell you the truth. I believe we honor God when we make time for him. When we come to church to gather together with others, to feed and bless him. When we take that time, we honor God. So this is, this is how we, we honor God in our, in, our, in our lifestyle. But there's others that deserve our honor. You can probably think of some. You know, what does it say? In Exodus chapter 5, in Exodus chapter 20, the fifth commandment, it says, honor your father and your mother that your days may be prolonged in the land which the Lord gave you. So honoring our parents is a command of the Lord. In Ephesians chapter 6, Paul repeats that. And he says, it's the only commandment with a promise that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. Our parents were not perfect. I know mine weren't. And, and I know my wife and I were not perfect parents. But they brought us into this world and raised us. So we're to honor them. For, because God said so. And for our, for our own sake. So that it would be well with us. You know, it's not going to go well with someone who doesn't honor their parents. It's like the law of reaping and sowing. It just, it just happens. And the devil, you know, the devil knows the word. He knows that if he can get us to dishonor our parents, to be critical of them, to disobey them, uh, that we won't be blessed and we won't have a long and a fulfilling life. He just, he, he, he has, when we dishonor our parents, it gives, it gives them a, a, an in into our lives to disrupt them and to cause trouble. We need to forgive our parents for their dysfunction. And God, God only knows why our parents turned out the way they are. You know, sometimes our parents were abusive or they had their own problems, but they were raised a certain way and we don't know, we don't understand. We have to forgive them and love them just for who they are. We need to get over the bitterness and the criticism towards our parents. They were imperfect, but they did the best they could. My, my wife's dad was, a, was an alcoholic and he was a, a tough guy to get along with. He, he really, he, he pushed his kids. He, he, he was very, he's, he's one of these, and I don't, I don't mean to, I don't mean to badmouth him, I really don't, but he, he was very critical of his children. He wanted, but, and, and at his funeral, they asked me to say something about him. And I thought, what am, you know, how, what am I gonna say about this man? Because we wanna see, but the Lord showed me something. What he really wanted, he wanted the best for his children. But he did, he did it the wrong way. He pushed and pushed and pushed. But he, what he was trying to do was push him into something better than what he had. To make them better than what he was. So his motive was, his ways were not, not the best, but his motive was, I believe his heart was right. He loved his children, and he, but he was pushing them too much. But his, heart was, but his heart was to have his kids be blessed. So we need to thank God for our parents. And honoring starts with thanksgiving. Things will go much better for us if we do. And we'll live long on the earth. The discipline that we receive from them. And the, the result of that is a peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who are willing to embrace discipline. So, but there's a warning to fathers. You know, <clears throat> excuse me. There's a warning to fathers in the Bible about how we should act. It says, fathers, don't provoke your children to anger. And in Colossians, it says, fathers, do not exasperate your children. Or provoke your children so they will lose heart. 
So we shouldn't be overbearing fathers. You know, fathers that are perfectionists that no one can please. The ch our children, fathers need to show their children that they love them. And they need to correct them when necessary, but they need to be loving fathers to them. And the Bible says we're, not only are we supposed to submit to our natural parents, our natural fathers, but also our spiritual fathers. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul calls himself their spiritual father. And then he said, be imitators of me. Fathers, natural and spiritual, are supposed to be examples that children can follow. And don't just leave it all up to the, to the moms to, to do it. In 1 Timothy chapter 5, the Apostle Paul writes, Elders should be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching. We're supposed to honor our spiritual fathers, those whom God has put over us to help us grow and mature. In Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 17, it says, Obey your leaders and submit to them. Next, we're supposed to honor each other. In Romans chapter 12 and verse 10, it says, in honor, preferring one another. In Philippians chapter 2, it says, regard one another as more important than yourselves. We're supposed to honor others and not just look for honor ourselves. And finally, those in authority over us, government officials. That's what the scripture said in Romans. Render, render all Fear to whom fear, tax to whom fact, custom to whom custom, honor to whom honor. In First Peter, First Peter in chapter two it says, "Honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king." And our, we're supposed to honor the, our employers. In First Timothy chapter six it says, "Slaves." Now I, we don't condone slavery, but I liken when I liken the, the the relationship to an employer and employee. Slaves consider their masters, should consider their masters worthy of all honor. So honor, honor your boss. Don't be critical. No one is perfect. No one does the job. You know, I see that in politics so many times. You know, someone gets elected, and very soon thereafter, you know, people are criticizing him. And I thought, you know, if, if you'd won the election, we'd be criticizing you because no one does it perfect. No one does everything perfect. So all, all we want to focus in is on the negative. We need to bless people. We need to honor them for who they are. And finally, let me give you one more. First Peter. Well, I, want to, I want to turn to that one. First Peter chapter 3. In verse 7, it says, You husbands, in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way. As with someone weaker, since she is a woman, and show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life, so that your prayers will not be hindered. We need to, yes, a wife is supposed to be submitted to her husband, the husband's supposed to be the head, but he's supposed to love her as Christ loved the church. Lay down his life for her. Sacrifice for her. 
and honor her by considering her a spiritual equal. She's just as saved as I am. She's just as filled with the Holy Ghost as I am. And she can hear God sometimes better than I can. So I honor my wife. Honoring our wives to consider them our, spirit, our spiritual equals will end, up, will end up blessing. And finally, let me give you an example of what it means to honor. You know the, the life of David. David was a, a young boy pastoring his father's sheep. His father sends him to, with some supplies into the battle. And what happens? He finds out about Goliath and he kills Goliath. And all of a sudden, David is famous. Well, the, the King Saul put him in the army. And he went, and he, he went out with the army and, and was winning battle after battle after battle. And he becomes very well known throughout the whole country. And the women are singing, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. And Saul got real mad. He said, to me they ascribe thousands, but to David they ascribe ten thousands. And he got insanely jealous, and he, kept, and he came against David. He kept trying to kill him. He, every time David went somewhere, he chased him. He did everything he could to take his life. And David twice, in the process of escaping from Saul, twice he spared Saul's life. Once David went to hide in a cave, and the Bible says Saul went into the cave to relieve himself. And the people that were with Saul said, this is it, God's put him right there in front of you, take his life. He said, no, he's God's anointed, I'm not going to touch him. And he honored Saul, and even, even though Saul was chasing him and trying to kill him, David just kept honoring him and honoring him. And one other time, when he took his spear and his water jug, he could have killed him then, but he didn't. He, he wouldn't touch him because he was God's anointed. And finally, the day happens, the day comes where Saul and Jonathan are killed in battle. And listen to, listen to, what, listen to what David said. Listen to what David said about, about Saul after he died. And David chanted this lament over Saul and Jonathan his son. And he told them to teach the sons of Judah the song of the bow. Behold, it is written in the book of Jasher. Your beauty, O Israel, is slain on your high places. How the mighty have fallen. Tell it not in Gath. Proclaim it not in the streets of Ashkelon. Or the daughters of the Philistines will rejoice. The daughters of the uncircumcised will exult. On the O mountains of Gilboa, let not dew or rain be on you, nor fields of offerings. For the shield of the mighty was defiled, the shield of Saul, not anointed with oil. From the blood of the slain, from the fat of the mighty, the bow of Jonathan did not turn back, and the sword of Saul did not return empty. Saul and Jonathan, beloved and pleasant in their life, and in their death they were not parted. They were swifter than eagles. They were stronger than lions. This is the guy that tried to kill him over and over and over again. All he's doing is, is, shout, is singing his praises. Telling, don't, don't tell the enemy. They'll, they'll just exult. They'll just rejoice over it. Don't, but Saul is wonderful. How the mighty have fallen in the midst of the battle. Jonathan is slain on our high places. I'm distressed for you, my brother Jonathan. You've been very pleasant to me. Your love to me was more wonderful than the love of women. How have the mighty have fallen and their weapons of war perished? He honors them. Even though he, he was his enemy in, the, in natural life, in death, he honors And don't we do that at a funeral? Whenever, someone, whenever, whenever there's a, a funeral, you don't, you don't stand up and 
talk about people's faults. You talk about their good points. The things that remember, the things that blessed you in their life, how they blessed you, and what good they did. And that's, the way we, that's how we honor people. We honor him by speaking well of them, by blessing them, by submitting to them. In, honor, in honoring people, we focus on the good. You know, what does it say in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8? Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of a good report, if there's, any ex if there's anything excellent, anything worthy of praise, think on these things. Really, it gets down to the golden rule, treating people the way we would want them to treat us. So I just put it out there today. Pray. Kind of check yourself. I'm checking myself and make sure I'm a person who honors, who gives honor to those whom honor is due. So that, so that I will be the person that God wants me to be and be blessed by him. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Father, thank you for reminding us that we are to be people who honor others, who honor you, Father, who honor you, honor God, and honor those on the earth, blessing them, not being focused so much on ourselves, but blessing others, holding others in high regard, and giving them honor. Let's do them in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. I bless you. In Jesus' name. Thank you so much for being with us today. Our prayer is that your life be enriched through the power of God's word and that you be filled with his love and strength as you daily serve him. To learn more about our service times and our ministry and how it is that you can partner with us, visit us online today at romechristiancenter.com.